I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of country throughout all sacred Aboriginal lands in Australia, where we are recording this podcast from today. I invite you to reflect on the land that you are on, the traditional custodians, their customs, their connection and their preservation of this land. I pay my respects to all elders, past, present and emerging. Sovereignty of this land was never ceded. And I extend this respect to all Indigenous people listening today from around the world. I am grateful for the connection to Mother Nature, the spiritual trees, animals and sacred waters. We as eco-impactors are aware that there is only one planet Earth and that everything on this Earth is interconnected. We stand up to protect Australia's natural ecosystem and all nature across this beautiful Earth. Welcome back to Eco Impactors, a podcast brought to you by Orangutan Alliance. On this podcast, we talk with a range of eco innovators, thought leaders, and change makers who are impacting our planet for the better. If this sounds like you, then make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And before we dive into today's episode, we want to quickly share a few words about our My Step to Protect campaign and Viva La Body, one of our certified palm oil free brands. What's your My Step to Protect? Orangutan Alliance, with our partners, have now planted over 11,000 trees in critical areas in Indonesia for the survival of endangered species, especially the orangutans. You can help by purchasing a soap today made by Viva La Body, one of our certified palm oil-free brands. The soap is a zero-waste bar, palm oil-free, vegan and cruelty-free. Every soap you purchase plants one tree in Sumatra. Head to our website now to buy one for yourself. Let's be part of the generation that ends deforestation. Welcome back to the Eco Impactors podcast. Today, myself and Amy will be joined by Sophie, founder of Seed and Sprout, uh, an ethical zero waste, and also Orangutan Alliance, palm oil free certified uh, brand. So thanks Sophie for joining us, having a chat. Oh, so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. There's a few cool things that we want to want to talk about, but maybe uh, Amy can kickstart us off with the, with the first question. Thanks, Blaine. Thank you, Sophie, so much for joining us. Uh, so firstly, we just want to ask you if you want to tell us a little bit about Seed and Sprout and a little bit about the inspiration and the vision for your business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well... I guess for anyone listening who's not familiar with the brand, Seed and Sprout now is pretty much an eco-lifestyle brand. So I guess that means we try and solve a lot of lifestyle problems that people are having and trying to reduce their plastic. Um, But it actually started in a much simpler form when my son started primary school um, and he's enrolled actually in a Steiner school, which is another story but one of the policies at his school was that we are not to use any plastic in the lunchbox or have a plastic lunchbox itself so for me you know this is what six plus years ago um I was just starting on my sustainability journey I'd always had such a strong affinity with 
the natural world and you know David Attenborough was always my hero growing up and I'd always you know like I'd grown up in the bush with hippie parents and they built mud brick home with no electricity and stuff like this is my background and like where my spirit is happy is in nature um but my sustainability journey I wouldn't say really had kicked off at that point um I was aware of the terrible impact of plastic pollution um, and other environmental issues and I certainly was impacted by it but I probably wasn't at the stage where I am now and so in trying to find that plastic free solution for my son it really opened up my eyes to how much plastic I was using Um, and in trying to find the perfect solution for my son to go to school and pack his lunchbox plastic free, it was really difficult because actually at that time was quite fussy and he didn't like any of his foods touching one another. And so it was like a really specific type of lunchbox that I felt that I needed that I couldn't necessarily find in the market. Um, But coming from a bit of an entrepreneurial background, just in that I had started a business before, I could see that potentially this is a problem that I could solve. So I set out to do that and we made the plastic, the um, my first plastic-free lunchbox, which really did solve a lot of those problems for me um, and for Archie. And, yeah, we just picked up a groundswell and people were having the same issue as me and wanted the product and, and then... You know, at that point, I thought Seed and Sprout would just be a lunchbox company. I didn't really see it as anything bigger than that at that time. Um, But it turns out that it just became a vehicle for solving all of the needs in my own environmental journey to rid my life of plastic. So the next big issue that I was faced with was well, I really don't want to shop with plastic bags anymore. Um, And so I created the Farmer's Market set, which was our first non-lunchbox type of product. And that was divine timing because that was just before the plastic bag awareness problem really came to the forefront of everyone's minds. And then it started happening that supermarkets were banning, banning plastic bags and then different states are banning plastic bags. And then the movement really took off, but I had already laid all the groundwork there and I already was solving that problem. So it was a mixture of, you know, being in the right place at the right time um, and having done that work already and meeting the need of the market. And that's kind of how it grew. And then it was easy to expand the business because it was just like, oh no, like now I need this problem solved in my life. Now I need that problem. And so the products were all born out of that problem solving process. Mm. I love how the, um, the original kind of problem that you were solving was from a mum trying to solve a problem for your, for your son. I love how it started with, with that. I think that's, I think that's great. I, 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 I'm not a parent myself, but I've seen parenting is kind of like this force for a lot of, kind of innovation as well, because the problems that you're so, trying to solve for your child are, so important to you and that kind of just brings out this something something extra maybe um yeah yeah um the next question i've got here is related to your your products um 
what sort of products do you currently s- sell on your store? And I know if people check out your website, which I highly recommend, there's quite a process that you go through to make sure that what you sell is kind of, um, you know, there's no shortcuts ar- around it. You know, the ethical part of it, the sustainability part. So could you maybe speak to, to that products of the process? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess for us, it was really important to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. I think that it's really easy to jump on the bandwagon and be a part of a movement. And the much more difficult thing is doing it sustainably behind closed doors. Um, and I, like, I couldn't under, underestimate the the enormity of having that done behind the scenes as well. Like, it really is a very big commitment. And um, but it's something that not only me, but it's fundamentally important to every member of the team that at the end of the day we can walk away knowing that we did what we thought was the right thing. And, you know, that's something that happened with our palm oil journey as well, you know, and sometimes it's the case that we think we're doing the right thing and we think we're doing the best, but actually there's, there's something we don't know or there's something we need to improve on. And I think that's always going to be part of the journey as well. You know, when you've got a lot of different moving parts and there's different people involved, involved in your supply chain um unless everything is done under your own roof and you have full transparency of every ingredient that you're using it's really really difficult to see um into exactly everything that's happening so that's been a huge part of our journey is like realizing what is involved in making sure yeah we can lay our pillow our head on the pillow at the end of the night and you know know that we've done the right thing to the best of our abilities. Yeah, definitely. I think there's, it's, um, when you're talking about the palm oil thing and uh, there's so much, there's, these problems are so complex and there's so much to it that yeah. uh, like having an open mind to just how we can improve is, is a good starting point for anyone trying to be human and also like work in this, yeah. like do run a business in this is just, you know, yeah. it's hard to do things perfectly, but um, when we see other ways to improve, you know, try and embrace it where we can. Definitely. Yeah. And that's why we've tried to be quite vocal about our journey as well. You know, like if we do make a mistake, own up to it and try and help educate both the consumers, but also other brands like to know, Hey, look, maybe look at this part of your supply chain. You know, it's it's important that, yeah, consumers and other business owners just have a little bit more education about it all because, yeah, it is. there's a lot of grey areas and there's a lot of misinformation and it is a minefield out there and, you know, it's, it's not black and white at times as well. So I think the more knowledge people have, the better armed they are to make the right decisions and the decisions that are actually in line with what their values are because it's easy to gloss over and to check the box to think that you've done the right thing um, and 
you know, have that clear conscience, it does, ta- it does take a bit of work to go a little bit deeper and make sure that those values are in fact aligned with your intentions. Mm. And I think there the transparency is key for yeah. brands, consumers, big businesses, and we need a lot yeah. more of that. So it's great to see companies like yourselves um, leading in that direction. And like you were saying, acknowledging if you were wrong, that's so important to be a leader here because we, we're human. We make mistakes all the time and it's completely okay to do that. Um, so I love that view. I would love to for you to share um, a little bit about the products because um, I know you have your amazing soap bar range, um, which is certified by Orangutan Alliance, which I use on my hair. Love. Oh, love, do love. you? Yay! Yeah. I love it Yeah. Yeah. I've been using soap bars forever, so I would love to yeah, hear you share a bit about that. Yeah. Well, our bars have been probably my – oh, it's hard because I have a lot of favourite products in – I really do use lots of the products every single day. Um, But for me, the bars have been a huge one because I've tried bars before in the past too and I have very long, very thick hair and I really wanted to do the right thing by having a palm oil-free, plastic-free, more carbon-efficient product for the for my hair um but it's really hard when you're making a compromise in the standard of the product to be in line with those ethical values I think the ideal and what we try and do at Seed and Sprout is to have that um like ethical gold standard but also have it as effective and as functional as you know other maybe not as ethical products that are on the market so our bar range where we do our shampoo bars and our conditioner bars and body bars and all of that sort of stuff. The performance for me is something that I'm super proud of, so proud of alongside with the ethical um, achievements too. So, yeah, I would say the shampoo and conditioner bar, the rose geranium is my favourite. Um, and I just really stand, yeah, I just stand behind the way that the product works and obviously like everything that it stands for behind the scenes as well. Mm. Do you think in your product range you have a best seller as well? Um, we, we do. We sell so much of our unbaking paper. Um, so that's like a reusable baking paper sheet. Um, that's just always a fan favourite. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Like, I don't, yeah, I like it. I like it. It's not my favourite. Like, definitely the shampoo bars for me um, or the deodorant or, like, some of the care products for me are, like, the products that I use and love every single day. Um, but, yeah, the I'm baking paper really tickles people's fancy. <laughs> I think it's something new as well for people that they haven't heard of before maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think they like the like-for-like like swap where they can easily see, oh, I can take that thing out and put this, replace this with this. Do you mm. find that on the like-to-like, like in terms of 
consumers, everyday people trying to live more sustainably, ethically, whatever mm-hmm. the thing is, that the, the mm-hmm. like-to-like, having a like-to-like product uh, really helps with that transition. I mean, it's, it's, intuitively, obviously, it seems pretty kind of, kind of obvious, but yeah. um, do you find that's the case for a range of products that, that kind of uh, are popular with the general public? At least like-to-like things. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we try to continuously develop as well. Um, and we have some exciting products in development now as, as well that are like that But because I think it's really that is the least friction for people mm. who, are tr- who are like on the fence about converting to a more sustainable option. If they can see that they can swap it out seamlessly, then I think the transition's a lot easier for them. Yeah, yeah, that does that makes sense. Reducing that friction. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's important to us. Yeah. So, in your opinion, you've kind of covered this, but what role do you think that ethical brands like Seed and Sprout have in making a positive impact on both people? the planet to protect the rainforest to protect our orangutan friends and to take an individual action i suppose harness that individual power um to take action against climate change yeah i think that it it's absolutely paramount that brands are doing everything they can to take action on that i think we need to lead the way I need I think we need to shine the light I think that um more and more brands are stepping forward and doing that and realizing that good business is actually good business that's what consumers want to support um and there's actually a lot of data to support that that um doing good green business is a very um profitable model as well because this is what consumers want to see Um, I just think it's important that they're actually doing that work behind the scenes as well, not just like green facing. Um, But I think that it's, I think that it's not only important for brands. I think it's actually necessary now. I just don't think consumers are going to really put up with it for too much longer um, if brands aren't doing their best. But when you talk about these bigger, you know, multinationals who are really contributing um really negatively upon the environment i think that's really there needs to be more regulation in terms of that because that corporate breed is always going to get in the way of ethics when companies are run to such a large scale um and it becomes less about a founder-led movement about doing something um or even a company with a green-minded CEO, but when they have all these shareholders to answer to and it's all about profits, it's just, um, yeah, it's really worrying. So that that it, that's a conundrum. Like I, I don't know how things are going to turn around there without public pressure, um, but you can see larger brands already starting to try and correct course with at least their marketing and things like that so I think that yeah I do think that the tides are turning and that it's something everybody every business is having to talk about and I think that 
Yeah, the consumer can do a lot because they vote with their dollar um, and you can already see brands like you, you see it on the supermarket shelf, you know, like a supermarket shelf that used to be all plastic packets or, um, sorry, plastic bottles and plastic lids and stuff. You can see them now moving to glass jars and metals and the different materials and different types of marketing. And the only reason that some of those brands are doing that is because their consumer is demanding it. I don't, I don't think necessarily they're sitting there going, oh, how can we make our supply chain greener? Um, or our footprint smaller. I think they're going, well, we're going to get cancelled here if we don't do something, you know, yeah. and that's great, you know. So the public need to keep it up and the companies, yeah, I mean, they need to have um, more pressure from the inside and their stakeholders and shareholders to um, do do greener, do better. Mm. Yeah, it definitely seems like there's this transition um, happening, this positive transition. Uh, and I like what you said about, the fact that these green businesses, these ethical businesses, actually good business models as well. Like I've, I've also sent yeah. some reports where, you know, the data is showing that more consumers would buy products from brands that can prove that they're doing things that are better for the planet, better for the, the kind of the supply chain, the people involved. So if, even yeah. if your interest is financial, it still is in your interest to do to do things in an ethical way. Um, and then hopefully, even if you start with yeah. that intention, I think yeah. naturally you'll, because I've, I've heard a lot of stories where people maybe pivot to a more greener model and through mm. that pivot, they actually become interested in these these green things as well, which I, I think is quite interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm. and I think it's important yeah. as well, if you're starting out or you're an like a, a budding entrepreneur to really know that that's the truth as well that people want to see these green businesses there's really no it might sound harsh but I I feel like there's almost no excuse to not do it that way anymore like you just mm -hmm. there's so much room in the market there's so much custom customer demand if you want to go out there and build something yourself why not build something really green and really great for the planet and you know that's going to be great as well you know build a profitable business out of that and I know firsthand what impact that building a green business can have as well and how many individuals you can reach and I can't tell you how many direct messages I've received in the lifespan of seed and sprout of consumers saying you know thank you like I first found you three years ago. You kickstarted my journey to sustainability. Like you guys are the inspiration. It really, you get to create all this content and have all these um, conversations with customers and shine the light on these issues. And you're not, it's not just because you're trying to build a business. Like you're really educating people and you're helping that consumer movement turn um, and it's it's extraordinarily fulfilling when you get those types of messages mm -hmm. or emails or you connect with the person on the street or something like that. And, you know, it's just it's the best feeling. So I think as a young entrepreneur or somebody who's looking to start another business, it's just a no brainer really to go into something like this. Yeah, 100% mm. agree. Um, we're, talk we're talking about the 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 soap branch that you had, but so that's Rangtown Alliance uh, Palm Oil Free Certified. But why 
is it important for kind of your set branch to be certified with, with this? Like what's your thinking behind that? Well, we always, that was always our intention. It was um, kind of a non-negotiable for us to have a, a range, a palm oil free range. And so when we learned more about what the certifications mean and how the process of qualifying for that certification would ensure that every E was crossed, every I was dotted, then that for us was the best path forward. You know, it's very important for us to be able to stand behind our claim um, and have the public be able to trust us and for us to be able to trust our supply chain. So we know that this is the most thorough way to do it as far as I'm aware. So mm. that's why, you know, that's important for us and important for our consumer as well so that they can have no doubt in their mind. Nobody has any doubt about it because mm. the palm oil issue is such a large slippery issue um, that everybody is struggling to grapple with, you know, in the industry, mm. in the supply chain, in the consumer eye. Um, yeah, it's very, it's it's really important for us to have something that we can really stand behind. Yeah. One thing that um, came to mind there was the, the trust thing because when I think of consumers, consumers and also just humans in general, for the most, I, I believe humans are intrinsically good. And um, when people go to the shop, it's not like they are trying to do harm or cause the most harm. They want to do no. the right thing. And one, yeah. one maybe friction area is it's hard for many people to trust the brands that the products that they yeah. buy and, and all that sort of thing. So um, I think having certification and, and other ways to verify that what you're doing is legit, that just yeah. makes it so much easier for, for the consumers to do the right thing because ultimately they want to do that anyway. So we just need to make yeah. it easier for, for them to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And especially when there's no mandatory labelling of palm oil in Australia currently. So I think certification there is really important for consumers and brands here. So on this podcast, we talk to amazing change makers and environmentalists and, um, and eco-impactors, as the name is called. Uh, so... We just wanted to ask you personally, what does it mean to you to be an eco-impactor in this world? I think that it means for me personally, my own lens on that would be being able to use the platforms that are available to me to spread the word um, as far and wide as possible and to be able to try and make positive impact and help people feel inspired um, to make change in their own life um, and, you know, encourage other people to really get behind whatever they believe in, whether that's, you know, taking a job in a field that they feel will be impactful um, or speaking up on issues or just doing it in a micro way within the circle of people that they come into contact with. Um, but for me personally, I think that it's going to be uh, a bit of a 
lifelong journey and commitment for me anyway because I feel comfortable doing this to share my journey publicly and that's why I like to connect with people on Instagram or through TikTok or on different social platforms and talk about the things that I'm doing and talk about the journey and talk about the mistakes and talk about the hardships and celebrate the wins together because I think the more um the more exposure people to have to different ways of thinking and um certain things the more they'll be inspired to think about life a little bit differently or um yeah just get ideas for what they can do in their lives yeah i think the inspirations are an important piece of the puzzle because a lot of these topics can be quite heavy um mm, and you just need yeah. you need the, the inspiration in there just to um, motivate people to to do things and just kind of keep people in in good spirits because i think being yeah. good spirits is um productive um well it, it, yeah, it, it, yeah it's maybe productive is not the right word but you know i think i think I think you know what I mean. Hopefully. It stops them having that overwhelming feeling yeah. of dread, mm-hmm. the eco-anxiety. It was a very conscious choice for us in the business to never show um, like graphic imagery, negative graphic imagery on any of our channels because we always felt taking the more optimistic road um, would be more impactful. So that's always been part of our um our philosophy is just showing people yeah. the lighter side of things and yeah how to and that's why we do we place an emphasis on making products that look and feel beautiful so that people can feel like they're bringing something beautiful into their home not like something hard mm. that they're really mm. going to have to change their habits to integrate it's more like oh just got this special thing and it's going to enrich my life Mm. um yeah and i think that's worked for us yeah Mm. you Mm. mentioned Um, social media oh sorry amy you go no i was just gonna say it's like it's positive and exciting all these things are exciting and beautiful and reusable items are amazing like i've never understood why people would want a single-use item in their cupboard Mm. because to me it's like ugly to me, the yeah. reusable items are yeah. beautiful and exciting showing them off to people as well. It's not just yeah. sustainable. It's mm. yeah. It, yeah, it's something to be proud of as well. Yeah. So I think that's great. Yeah, sorry, you go. Sorry, I was just going to say, um, you're talking about Instagram and whatnot. H- how can people connect with um, your brand and, and get involved, anything like that? How can they connect and support you guys? Mm-hmm. Well, we have um, quite an active Instagram account, which is Seed and Sprout Co. Um, I've also got my personal one, which more documents my personal journey, um, which is Sophie Kovic. Uh, And then just lately I've been getting into TikTok, which has been really (laughs) fun. Um, I like making videos and sharing sharing what we're doing out at the farm with the off-grid building and the tiny house and stuff, which is cool. and we're also just starting to build up our seed and sprout TikTok account too. So, but yeah, Instagram definitely has always been 
the place where people have come and it's become a real nice community there um, and people can get ideas and share things. And, um, yeah, we try and provide lots of different, like, value-driven stuff, you know, recipes or ideas of lessening your impact or, um, yeah, just different things to help people give them inspiration to make change in their life. Yeah, like yeah. last, I think it was last month you did the composting awareness month, which is great yeah. to show little changes people can make along the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we try and support people no matter where they are on their journey too, which I feel has been really important because it's one thing talking to the people who are already converted um, because they're already making all the changes in their lives, you know, but we need to also be really welcoming to people who are just kind of eco-curious, you know, like come over to our side um, mm. and make it really approachable and give them those like really entry-level ideas as well. So we do, we do try and like weave through for all of our different customers, but we definitely don't want to ostracise those people by saying, you know, oh, look how perfect we are. We've got everything right. You know, like mm. you have to do it like this or it's not good enough. We like to really encourage people no matter where they are on their journey. Yeah, definitely. Be be, uh, be kind to everyone is a pretty good rule. Uh, and the eco-curious yeah. as well. Eco-curious probably yeah. a precursor to the eco-impact. Um, yeah. The, the, mm-hmm. final, the final question that we have um, is... We kind of asked a similar one um, along these lines, but you, you mentioned earlier on the podcast that your I think your spirit is um, something like best in nature. Like you find like that's mm. where you like to be. Mm. So, from your perspective, with that in mind, like what do you think we can learn from from nature? What what can we learn from Mother Earth? Oh, I think it's respect of all things I think we need to learn to live in harmony and with respect to all creatures plants you know everything we're we're all one we're all intertwined to think that we have any kind of superiority or dominance over any other thing I just I find the idea ludicrous like we just need to respect every individual creature and um thing on the planet so yeah I just I hope that I hope that as a human consciousness we are moving towards that respect of all living creatures great answer I think we are hopefully yeah I am no I, am I think we are I think we I, are. same I yeah. think we are I think yeah. we're turning a corner in humanity Thanks everyone for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, then feel free to subscribe and we will see you in the next one.